This week's episode is brought to you in part by FNX Fit, a fitness supplements brand that can get you hooked up with all of your pre, post, during workout needs as well as other nutritional supplements. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING at fnxfit.com to get 15% off your order. So first things first, Memphis is kind of a crap hole. Well, take that, Tennessee. I, I Look, I like parts of Tennessee. I like Nashville. Uh-huh. In theory, I like gambling sure. at one of their many casinos. Memphis, though, think about like all the things that happened in Memphis. Like Elvis was born there, so now we have to listen to those songs all the time. That's right. And I'm just kidding. I know Elvis did a lot of good for music. BB King, I get it. I get it. And then Martin Luther King Jr. was shot there. Not good. It's just kind of that's not good. That's not good. That was bad. <laughs> and you're not going to get that from every conservative podcast. Okay. Wait a <laughs> I'm minute. Just kidding. <laughs> but here on Carl Pooling, we we're firmly in the that was bad camp. Yep. Um, and it's also just like really run down. It's sad. It's like, really the sad. The only thing I liked about it was being able to like sing Merle Haggard at the top of my lungs walking around. And I know he was from California. I know it didn't even make sense. It didn't matter. It just felt like it made sense. Right. Um, we, we spent the weekend there for Father's Day, Hunter and I did with our father. And this is the one good thing about Memphis. They have the 10th largest pyramid in the entire world in Memphis. And what? I did not know this until very... Hunter, don't say what. You were just there. <laughs> yeah, but it sounded um, good. <laughs> it's called producing. It's the tenth largest pyramid. It used to be a music studio, and now it is a Bass Pro Shops with an integrated hotel. Let me tell you, Redneck does not even begin to initiate <laughs> to start. It was the trashiest, most wonderful, lovely thing that I've ever done. It's really great. Literally, our our suite had a fake cabin edifice Mm -hmm. with a wraparound porch that overlooked the men's clothing section so it was it was i got misty um there was a bowling alley and a shooting range in the oh it was just look go to memphis exactly for two days and don't leave the hotel stay at the big pyramid can i ask you one question chris um haven't you just yeah i did can i ask you another question chris okay i'm gonna stop this time loop um okay (laughs) is it a total just travesty that the church of scientology did not purchase that pyramid i mean i'm not so is yeah like i don't know what that (sighs) does but it just makes me really upset that bass pro shop i mean really but and tommy cruz could have probably afforded it and everything right yeah wrote the check no big deal let me just mm. pull out one of my uh, Die Hard movies. Crap, Mission Impossible. Checks. <laughs> That's fine. All right. Um, thanks for throwing us completely off course. Hey guys, uh-huh. we have one of the sh- we have a show that I've been looking forward to for literally two months uh, here today, and I know we've got Roadkill. We've got other stuff to do. We've probably got to berate you and do an ad read, but first, because I cannot wait any longer, we have a very special set of guests today first of all you know him you love him friend of the show a constant 
reminder, a constant advisor, we have Ben Polk. Ben, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Happy to be here, Chris. Good to see you guys again. All right, now hush, because we're not done with guests yet. Yeah, but I got the first one, so. We have scholar, mentor, lawyer, not that last one. We have Chris (laughs) Foster joining us once again. Dun, dun, dun. He's currently descending Yay. the podcast staircase. Oh, it's lovely. You hear all I'm that roar? Really left out. <laughs> that's that roar, it, and you can tell it's distinctly ladies. That's that's he's a big fan. Chris, you should have seen some of the emails we got uh, <sighs> after your radio voice. We just thought if we sent them to you, it would cause you to stumble. Don't tease me. Um, don't don't tease <laughs> me like that. <laughs> Currently, all of our female fans are clipping him saying, don't tease me. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> we're going to have a good show. We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I think this is going to be the best crew to talk about them with. Before we do that, um, Hunter, there's been a million things to lampoon this week. Right. It, it's been a great week for lampooning, be it the H3H3 Stephen Crowder debate that exploded in hilarious fashion or, I don't know, some other Joe Biden thing. But I turn it over to you now to grace us with the delicious roadkill. And before I do that, hi, welcome to Carl Pooling. Anyway, Hunter, the roadkill. <laughs> CNN's Brian Stelter has lost 72, 72% of his viewers this year. Christopher, that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say he was going to lose like some amount of weight. No. I was like, come on. No one wants him to win. Don't let him win. But 72% of his viewers, yeah. that's, that's chunky good news. From 2.7 um, to 700,000 something. So I just saw that headline. I was like, well, <laughs> I know someone who needs to know this. Reliable sources. They're reliable. <laughs> huh, that Rittenhouse kid. <laughs> I hate him. Kid. Have you seen that smirk? Have you seen his smirk? And the Sandman. When I go to sleep at night, I have both erotic and very dismal dreams about both Nick Sandman <laughs> and Kyle Rittenhouse, and I don't like it. I, I, I'm a reliable source. <laughs> I just want to know who the 700,000 people are that are still watching him, that haven't been turned off since January. Like, how do you watch him since January and think to yourself, I'm going to keep doing this? Airport. You think you would have gotten on that bandwagon by now. Hunter's, Hunter's not wrong to mention airports. I think here's what I'm curious about. Does he have like 699,000 brothers and sisters? <laughs> they kind of feel obligated. I don't know. Oh, Brian's getting on again, um, isn't he? Ugh. It's definitely not his children. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm just kidding, Brian Stelter. I hope that they improve Rogaine in the future. Oh my um, God. So that your life can have meaning again. Just kidding. Hair wouldn't change the fact that you're a fat, miserable loser. Um, Hunter, thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome, Chris. I just knew it would make you happy. Uh, The truth is is that I I think that our news media is in a dire strait. I think Brian Stelter is at the lead. And you know what I would love? I would love it for Brian Stelter to, uh, to come correct. I think he could be a really useful, positive voice in the world this isn't even a joke i wish he would uh, start telling the truth because the truth will set him free so best of luck brian sorry that your show has fallen on hard times and uh i'm sure you'll forgive us a little uh a little how do you say 
Schadenfreude. Hey, Chris, didn't you recently mention to me that Carl Pooling recently gained about, oh, I don't know, roughly a million listeners? I wonder where all of them came from. <laughs> anyway, best of luck, Brian. Sorry Similar that your show's doing bad. Yeah, that's uh, it's, uh, we have a huge overlap with people <laughs> who, who left Brian Stelter <laughs> and are into our shtick. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, man, I didn't know today was going to be such a good day. <laughs> all right. Well, with that out of the way, with our main story out of the way, I guess it's time to get to our subplot, no doubt. <laughs> We've got a big show for you today. Do I say that every week? Absolutely. Am I going to continue saying it? Yes, it's a massive show. It's massive. Uh, think about this. Two guests. <gasps> what other show is bringing you two guests in a single episode? Don't answer that. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm sure there's some. But today, you know, this all started. I was at a a barbecue with my good buddy Foster. And we started discussing the show. And it was actually he who brought up initially, Foster, you, you brought up initially, let's talk about prosperity gospel. Let's talk about name it and claim it. And uh, Was I in I my right awesome mind? Idea. You were... <laughs> You were there. You were in your corporeal form. Okay. <laughs> um, which is why I was there, if we're being honest. And then I started thinking about it. I started developing it. I also started be obsessing over this one passage in the Bible that I'm not yet done obsessing over. And uh, I've been reading it over and over again most every morning. But... Uh, it fits in, it feathers in real nicely. And then I'd also been discussing some of these ideas with, with Ben uh, and Hunter. So we got the whole gang together and, and we're going to take to task prosperity gospel, name it and claim it, what's right, what's wrong, what's different and why. I'm looking forward to it. So who wants to draw first blood and just maybe say what we're talking about when we're talking about these ideas? I'm all over that. So when you talk about the prosperity gospel, the first thing that probably comes to mind is the phrase health and wealth. That is the most simplistic, the most famous expression that you can possibly hit with the prosperity gospel. Big names. I think the biggest name in the prosperity gospel is Joel Osteen. He's the one that everyone loves to make fun of. You got your Kenneth Copeland's, you got Benny Hinn, uh, you got tons of people, especially in the televangelist space, that sign on to this. And essentially, it is perverting the gospel. And for those of you who think gospel is a weird, churchy-sounding word, all gospel means is good news. So when you hear the word gospel, just imagine the good news of Jesus, right? Because it's a churchy word. So perverting the good news of Jesus into the good news of you get free stuff, into the good news of if you do good, then you will get money, you will get health, you will get whatever. And they quote specific passages of the Bible out of context very frequently in order to make it sound like, hey, if you're a super good little Christian, then God wants to give you a boat. And there's a lot of more <laughs> insidious forms that I think we're going to get into. But if we're just starting it out, like that's the simplistic overview of what we're talking about. I'll and draw that's for the thing, Ben, because it, it's, it's, it's not about God wanting to give you a boat. Because God might want to give you a four-wheeler or a jet ski. <laughs> it's in his time. In One his of my plan. favorite Babylon Bee headlines was during, um, uh, oh gosh, what was it? There was some hurricane down south. 
and it said that Joel Osteen was riding around in his yacht handing out copies of his book, Your Best Life Now, <laughs> which I think that's, is a phenomenal headline. That's a beautiful picture. Well, Foster, let me ask you this. So what, why has this been on your mind? Because you, you brought it up to me initially. What you, what, where's your study or your thoughts been where this was percolating to the surface? Hmm. I don't know if we have time for the whole explanation. That would probably be an hour in itself. Um, I would say, so not to like dampen the mood, but my mom passed away a few years ago and I went through a difficult time during that, that season and watching what she was going through and, and, you know, being in, being a Christian and being in, friends with many different types of Christians, there was a big group of the prosperity, name it, claim it side of things. And um, if I'm being completely transparent, I think I started falling into it even a little bit during the time my mom was sick and just watching what she was going through. Um, And it, it sounds really good, right? The name it, claim it prosperity. God wants you to be healthy. He heals all your diseases, all of those kind of things. And I I honestly felt like I was slipping into it a little bit myself during that part of my life. Um, obviously she did not get better. She passed away. And um, I think at the end of that, I just had to go through and reevaluate some of what I felt like I was kind of getting sucked into if that makes sense. So I would say gotcha. over the last couple of years, Lots I've been health. digging into that side of things a little bit because I, it, it was a check on my own belief structure. If that makes sense. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And it's tough too, because like it's, it at least seems it's pretty obvious when a slick talking character comes on the TV wearing 17 rolexes on each wrist and says god wants you to give me another private jet so all you need to do is send your tithes in to the storehouse right um malachi 310 uh but it's a little bit less clear when you're like well isn't praying for the health of a loved one selfless uh you know in fact we i think we fall into this trap very frequently i fall into this trap you know someone brings a problem to you and you're like well let's got let's just get down on our knees and ask god to make it better um and it doesn't seem off kilter maybe we'll put a pin in that uh for now so hunter were you jumping in there i thought you had something for us no but i mean i have like 800 thoughts on this whole thing so you can always tag me and coach um well consider this a tag Got it. Take this as one of the tags. I'm a professional, Chris, so I am ready to <laughs> podcast at any moment. Um, hey, that's good audio. Hey, that's bad audio. Can I say something to that that's kind of funny? Um, yeah, real sure. fast. Ben Shapiro on his show this week was talking about how Joe Biden <laughs> left so much dead air in one of his answers at the... <laughs> the g7 summit that they literally had to they had to have been voice over the audio because they would have thrown his radio show off the air for being dead i started <laughs> laughing too early so because i'd heard it say that it was 
fantastic. It was so long. That's bad audio. Takes drink. All right, Hunter, as you would go. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you know, I, I here in Foster talk about this. I think that, I think that's when um, this uh, idea is most attractive, right? Um, is when you're in that rough patch, right? Um, and, in fact, we even see um, instances in the Bible where people kind of perform a similar thing where they're kind of arguing with you for what God wants. Right. And things like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's pretty common. Um, you know, I think it's, this is something I I love is that I, I think the Greeks figured out something, uh, that was just so profound, um, that we just see it over and over and over in our lives. And that's hubris, right? Anytime that where you mistake your place as God, right. And, I think whenever you're attempting to put your will on something, you know, that's a really good chance. That's a really good gut check to me um, is where I've overstepped my bounds. Um, It's hard not to. I mean, of course it is. I mean, pride is why Satan fell. Right. So we're, we're not above that either. Um, There's plenty of ways where you can get kind of tripped up here. Um, And there's plenty of bad scripture or readings of scripture that can kind of lead you in that direction. Right. So, um, bad interpretation of scripture. Scripture is not bad. So, I mean, there, there, there's a good bit here, but it, uh, it obviously has taken over a lot of people's minds and thoughts and, um, for good reason, people are hurting. Yeah. yeah. Hunter, I'd love to jump in there just to confirm a couple things that you said. Um, one, this does affect people who are in trouble more. This Unfortunately, the prosperity gospel is one of America's biggest exports. It is such a sad thing. It has taken Africa by storm. And I have personal experience with that. Um, also, I'm not just saying that there's plenty of studies out there that reflect the, the prosperity gospel has both infiltrated Africa more than any other continent and has affected the black community in America more than any other race, which is awful. The other day, I was actually in the car with an Ethiopian uh, Uber driver, and right before I get out of the car, I see a Bible in his back seat, and I go, hey, man, you love Jesus? And he goes, man, I love Jesus. And we pull up at my door, and he goes, you know, man, if you love Jesus, you'll never be sick a day in your life, and you'll always have a job. Anyway, have a good one. And it was just this hilarious moment as a Christian where I'm like, can I stay in the Uber? Uh, I didn't know what to do. Uh, So I got out. I felt uncomfortable. But... To the second part, Hunter, I want to put legs because I totally agree. You said that we make the make the gospel about ourselves. It's hubris. It's it's the sin of pride. But I kind of want to put legs to why why is wanting something this the sin of hubris? You know what I'm saying? I think we should go there. And oh, Chris, you're holding up your finger like you're excited to go I just there had too. To, I had to pick my nose. Oh, exciting. Um, First off, how did it go? Because if you love Jesus, you will pick everything out of your nose that you ever wanted to. Um, It's like I'm breathing for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Hunter, I I think the solution to, to that little dilemma is the prosperity gospel makes you worship yourself. It makes you misidentify God. Because what the gospel says is Jesus came down and died for us so that we can live with him. What the prosperity gospel says is you can have something if you do something. And that's a complete yeah. flip. Because in, in, one, in the first gospel, the proper response is to worship Jesus. 
is to worship God and glorify the, the guy who did something that you never could. And the, with the prosperity gospel, the proper response is to do the right thing in order to serve yourself, which is worship. It's absolute worship, but it's worshiping the wrong thing. Hmm. So I, I think that's kind of the first place we should go, guys, is to say, if, if you are serving the prosperity gospel, you ain't serving Jesus. So I, I totally agree. I actually think that Jesus himself shows us the difference. And I just pulled up that verse. Before we get to that, I actually want to go back to Foster for a second. Chris, what did you, what was the, the thesis statement for your change after you started that self inventory? What, like, what I'm curious is, what I'm curious about is, why did you think that you got off in the first place? And what, was the attractive piece of that and how did you get back? Mm. Okay. So I should, I should state that I was probably headed down that road before my mom got sick. And I think my mom getting sick probably just made it snowball a little bit more. Um, but I was, um, I'm sorry, what was the question you were saying? Like what kicked it off? Is that what you were asking? Yeah. Like what, what started it? What changed and then what had to change for you to get back? Like what, what brought right. you back to, to being wary of that course? Um, man, it's tough to name one thing that kicked it off. I think it was some, just some relationships I had, which I still have with, with these people and they're fantastic brothers and sisters in Christ. And we get along great. Um, but I think that just in conversation with them, I started looking differently at it it was a slow progression, right? It wasn't like one day I was all of a sudden like, oh, I totally believe all this stuff. You know, it was just like this little bit today, a little bit tomorrow. And then eventually, you know, my mom got sick and and I was in it deep um, at that point and. And here's where it gets difficult, though, is I fully believe that God heals. I fully believe that God provides. I fully believe all of those things. Um, And so, but the difference, I think, is where I was, was that, and that you guys touched on this a little bit about how it became or how it becomes kind of like a personal Thing and you become like your own God in a sense um, is that yep. you start, <clears throat> it got to a point where it was like, if I just have enough faith, if I, if I like what I'm, what I'm or questioning what I'm doing wrong mm. because what something isn't happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So it must be me. Mm-hmm. I must not have reached <laughs> this next level of enlightenment. I must right. be missing something there must be something wrong somewhere with me and I have to fix that. I have to figure out what that is uh, because there's a reason why it's not happening. It's not, not happening because God doesn't want it to not happen. It's happening because I'm doing something wrong. Right. Right. That that's so critical. So one of my old pastors, actually one of the majority of our old pastors, he used to say something and I thought I knew what it meant. And then I realized I didn't really know what it meant. 
And now I think I do, but I probably still don't. But he used to say the prayer that gets answered in heaven is the prayer that originated in heaven. Hmm. And that meant different things to me over different times of my life. As I've been thinking more critically in the past couple of years about, about what it is to, to be a Christian, what it is to, to live like a Christian, and, and the, let me just say the intellectualization of the Bible, which, by the way, doesn't exhaust the Bible, but I think certainly enhances it. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what that means. I said at the beginning of the the show that it seems selfless to ask God to do things on the behalf of other people. God, remove the suffering from their life or make them well or give them what I think that they need. It doesn't seem wrong. However, God actually shows us, Jesus shows us a picture of doing this correctly. And it's the most obscenely clear example that I can possibly think of. And it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, let's see, I'm, I got it pulled up on my screen. Verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Saying, let, and that was, that was the second time, 39, he says, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. As, not my will, but yours be done. Christ, who was God with us, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, is in the garden. He's telling God exactly what he wants. And this is even more selfish than like praying for your mother, let's say. It's let this cup pass from me. I don't want the next 16 hours, right? I don't want to have to live through the next day because I know what's coming. However, that's not what's important. It's not wrong to tell God what you're after. It's not wrong to tell God how you're feeling. Read the Psalms. David does it all the time. But the difference is what you are asking him to do. Jordan Peterson, who we can debate whether or not he believes in God uh, or, or the same God or whatever you want to say, but he would say it like this, that he doesn't ask God for wishes. God is not your genie, right? And in a lot of ways, you are actually your genie. Um, that's a whole different discussion, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chris, the, sorry, Foster, go ahead. No, no, go. To, to just put a theological nerdy way to say that is there's a difference between the revealed will and the sovereign will of God. The revealed will being the will that we obviously have seen come to pass. It has been revealed. Therefore, God has destined it to take place. And then right. the sovereign will in terms of he... God wants everyone to be saved. God desires that there is no suffering. Things like that, general things where, where God wishes, and in a sense, wishes that that would be the case, but it's not going to happen. And that's kind of hidden in his sovereign will. And only he knows why he doesn't do that. So the only reason I bring that up, Chris, is to add praying for your mom to get healed is not necessarily treating God as a genie. There sure. is a way to pray for your mom to be heal healed that is treating your mom or, or treating God as a genie and is not treating God as a genie. If you are attempting to change God and make something happen by your prayers, then you're treating God as a genie. But if you are calling on the power and strength of the God who is mightier than you and begging him to do something good 
in, in line with his will, then that is not. Then that is treating God as he ought to be treated. And, and you marry that last point with the idea that only he knows his sovereign will, and that's why I point to the example of Christ. Absolutely. Because I think, I think that that sentence, not my will, but yours be done, is the one that covers a multitude of sins. Yep. That's saying, like, I, this is how I conceive it, and I also know that I'm really dumb. And I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing necessarily, right? And and that's interesting, you know. And, and Foster, maybe maybe now's a good time to go a little bit deeper because there's this idea of the prosperity gospel, which is if you are nice and you tithe, will not God open the storehouse to tenfold and a hundredfold? You know, whatever. It, I can't remember the exact wording of Malachi off the top of my head, but there's there's this idea that God will just pour things out about to you there's this name it and claim it idea though and i think this is maybe a little bit where you were headed where you think you can actually manipulate the power of god with your faith and it's so crystal clear cool that you brought up the word faith there because we're going to look at faith in a totally different context in a bit i think hopefully but let me tell you a story real quick so it's after prom one night and i was recently injured in a football game might have been homecoming now that i'm telling the story anyways a dance we were over at my friend blake's house and my ankle was shattered (laughs) i had took a helmet to the ankle it wasn't a good scene it was really really broken these two girls who were they didn't go to they weren't in my class but they were around my class were over at the house and they saw that i'm limping around i've got my crutches and everything and they asked me if they can pray for my ankle and I said sure there's no yeah well why not you can pray for my ankle then they started praying and they stopped praying in the middle and say are you better yet and I was like excuse me what <laughs> my ankle's busted into a hundred pieces it's not you're not going to fix it right now it's not going to be fixable and they said no 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 have faith I was like well I do have faith but <laughs> But I don't think you are going to faith my ankle back into one piece. That gets it into the little name it and claim it a little bit where you're calling it out. You're calling your shot and trying to hit it. What do you think about that? What's your definition of that? My definition of name it, claim it? Yeah, and and your... your uh, I mean, it, your, it, your relationship with it. Yeah, I think, um, I think that it has a little bit of like its roots or a lot of its roots in in a bit of the new age realm and it's it's more or less and i think we talked about this before the the show is and i know you guys haven't read the secret i can't believe you've never heard of the secret but i mean i have um basically it's it's just it's this idea that everything that you put out into the universe or in this scenario, everything you speak to God, every, all of that kind of stuff is returned back to you in whatever form. So if you're, if you're speaking negative and that's why you'll hear a lot of people, a a lot of, I would call them, I want to be really politically correct on my, on my, on my, uh, have you listened to this show? (laughs) I know, but on my, uh, denomination terminology here, uh, a lot of hyper charismatic people (laughs) will like, if you say like, Oh shoot, I'm going to die. They they'll basically rebuke that because they're, 
they're saying they're concerned that you're speaking that into existence, existence. in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, Hunter does sit in his closet whenever he's not recording the podcast and just say hyper charismatics are retarded over and over again. And so far it seems to be working. <laughs> I've never stopped. Which would make them not. Anyway, it's a catch 22 regardless. <laughs> that's good audio that's good audio i wish people could have seen foster i want to insert i want to insert the the sound of a like a a beer opening that's good audio hey chris i know you're kind of steering the ship um but foster i would love to i would love to hear you because i have my own thoughts on this but how do you kind of connect the name it and claim it doctrine to the prosperity gospel? Because I think they're intertwined, but I don't think we have put those, put those two pieces together yet. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have some kind of um, deep theological way to link them. Um, I think, I think that they're connected in the sense that, um, that, I mean, they're, they're obviously the same thing, but I, feel like they're they're two sides of the same coin if that makes sense it's totally um so they're different but they're the same and and so like the name it claim it stuff i i kind of attribute to like this notion that like everyone can be a david you know like Mm -hmm. there's this idea that you know there's this David in the Bible, who's this amazing character who God used in all these amazing ways that you're going to, you're going to be used and just like David was used, right? Like everyone's going to be a David. Everyone's going to be this major impact and you just have to claim it. You just have to claim who you are in Christ kind of thing. And then the prosperity side of it, I think is just that it's all what I need to be successful in this world. Right. And, and to have in this world. Absolutely, man. To put a bow on it, Joel Osteen tells you that you're going to have a lot of money. A hyper charismatic will tell you that you're going to have a lot of emotional fulfillment. Yeah. Or power or power. Yeah. yeah, No. Yeah. I, I see, I see the, I see the the prosperity gospel crowd begging God for luck, and I see the the name it and claim it charismatic group um, trying to use God for magic tricks. Hmm. Like even if that magic trick is turn me into a different person, um, you know what I'm saying? Which in some cases it is, but but sometimes it's truly like visualize it and this is where it comes from the new age world you've heard speak it into the universe or yeah that's these, the secret these, yeah visualization <laughs> boards and all of this stuff which is where that comes from so and, I've oh man seen sorry i have to go off here because this is what's so messed up about the secret and i haven't read the book but i i heard a little bit about it and you have the power to speak into existence and the scary part is that that's just a little bit true because we are made yeah. in the image of god and this is a horrifyingly creepy argument you hear some of these preachers make they literally say dogs produce dogs cats produce cats god produced us what does that make us god yeah. 
It makes us little G gods, and that's the vernacular they use. And it is so terrifying because it's exactly what Hunter started talking about at the beginning of the episode. It is worshiping the wrong god and it's making you into the god that you're supposed to worship you are now the god that can speak things into existence you are now the god who holds the power of magic words and the creepiest part about that is there's this tiny little piece to that that's accurate but it is insidious and a lie overall hunter hey hey ben yes hunter who made the dogs (laughs) (laughs) this is a real chicken and egg situation we got going on here so are you telling me that my dogs are gods because that's what i got out of that sentence hunter your dog wouldn't sit 30 minutes ago (laughs) hey i don't want to freak anybody out but have you ever written the word dog on a piece of paper and then walked into the bathroom and held it up to the mirror chris i'm a little disturbed that you're doing that they're turning the dogs divine um (laughs) So, <laughs> thanks, Alex. We don't need you anymore. Uh, just kidding. No, stay. Just wait at the door. Just stay out there, Alex. In. We may need you in a minute. Hunter, I've never heard someone so succinctly destroy an argument <laughs> as that, but it was beautiful. It was. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, I want to play devil's advocate for a second, though, because actually, there's a there's a argument here. I think it'll be fruitful. We are like God. He said we're like God. We were made in the image of God. And not only that, but didn't he teach us to speak magic words? I mean, didn't he sit us down and say, carve out from the background of your surroundings the names of all of the other entities you find and the objects so that you can utilize them and and interact with them on an intellectual level? I mean, didn't actually the God of the universe in Genesis sit us down and say, let me teach you how to how to be a god. Let me teach you how to speak magic words. And let me teach you how to pay attention. So, sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot, guys, but I'm going to keep rolling with it. One, gr- great pushbacks. I'll say one, there's a difference between being a little god and having a piece of god implanted in you. Because the divine is not of you. The divine is of God. A, Paul writes somewhere that nothing good that I do is of me, but of the one who's, but of God. Um, I'm butchering the verse, but I think you get where I'm going. You are. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Two, God did give us the power to speak magic words. And I think he gave us that power most effectively in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, speak my words. He gave us his word, which we praise God, get in a fat, massive book that probably all of us have on a shelf now. And the, the, the argument magic... that I just made, mm-hmm. sorry, let me cut you off for one second. The argument that I just made is the argument that these pastors are making. And the reason I did it is because it's the exact same argument that the serpent made mm. in the Garden of Eden. Mm. Right afterwards, he said, are you not made in his image? Should you not have the understanding of God? Would you not be like God? It's the exact same argument that he made, which if you want to get back to pride, that's where pride entered the world, right? But that argument is, you're right, Ben, it is almost true. And that's what makes it one of the worst kinds of lies. It is is false by 1%. Yeah. And it's not only an insidious lie, it is literally the most ancient lie. Literally. Because, and, and it goes, and it's, 
it's relevant that faith is wrapped up in this entire this entire package because it's by grace that you're saved through faith and that redefining faith well let's talk about james again hold on a second (laughs) redefining faith like that it it throws out an amazing amount of the power of the scripture i'm not saying that this issue your your constitution of this issue determines whether or not you're saved i'm not saying that what i'm saying is that the roots of this have its roots in the worst lies that we've ever told ourselves anyhow sorry foster go ahead no no i was i I was just picking at you i was like what about james james he's a good guy (laughs) what do you want to know um (laughs) no i think i think it's also important to to just I, i mean maybe this is too nice but i think that there's a lot of good people that are stuck in this these kind of environments and i think what what i learned going through a lot of this myself was that you have to step back and and determine whether you ever have any kind of fear as a result of of your belief structure or whether you have any amount of feeling of condemnation. So, you know, because I think what a lot of the prosperity and name it, claim it gospel stuff does is it puts so much pressure on you. It puts so much pressure on the person to quote unquote, be something in order for these things to take place. Right. So, but what that ends up doing is bringing condemnation. It brings fear. And those are the things that are not of Christ. Right. So I think that, um, but I think there's a lot of people that are stuck in this world of the prosperity gospel stuff that need to be, need to be um, rescued in a sense from it. But I think that they're good people. You know, I think that they love the Lord. They just are confused. I think in yeah. a lot of well, ways that Adam and Eve were good people too. Right. Um, and in a lot of ways that comes down to poor discipleship, right? Is that right. a lot of people just aren't, are not taught, you know, all this stuff and what it means and how to pray and things like that. And we do a really, really bad job of like handling like major spiritual disciplines. This, um, what's so sad about this name it, claim it crowd to some extent too is, and you see this in other parts of our culture too, is because we have so much success and so much goodness and so much just fantastic. And what I, what do I mean by this? We have, it's so easy to provide for your family, right? It takes 40 hours of your week, if that, right? And, and pretty standard. Um, not only do you get all that, you get to live literally like a king compared to other times in history, right? And so we have not much to strive for. And this And because it's so easy to get some of the success, even in the spiritual realm, uh, it's very easy to go to church. It's very easy to pray. There isn't a lot of cost to all that. When you have this comparison of people being told that they're supposed to be Davids, being told that all they have to do is pray and do this, it's also this strange... um, It's this strange jump from non-expertise to a sage, right? And it's something that people really, really want in their lives is because they want to be a sage without having to work for it. Mm. And it's something that is 
even easier to sell to people given the timeline that we live in. And it's like, I could just pray and get this. And that's a shortcut, right? That's not learning what it means to believe. That's not learning what it means to have faith. That's not learning what it means to live within God's will and all that. And so you see this too in the political realm too, I think at times where people, I think the moralizing you see a lot of the times on like political left, political right, uh, spectrums, you know, is this, is this attempt to gain moral authority by the shortest mean possible. And I think that's what you see happening here in, in a different realm. And I think it is a modern yeah. problem. Uh, and I mean that not as the modern era, but is in our time. It's especially, I think it's especially convincing now for a couple of reasons. One, because it's the oldest lie ever told. People like to hear that they're God, sure. right? And Hunter, I think you're bringing up another point. We've all seen the, quote, hyper-industriousness of a person who wants the world to be hell all around them. We've all seen the person who's, no, fine, I'll just do it myself. And they work to the bone. In fact, isn't this, isn't this uh, which Mary is this? It's one of the 75 Marys that Martha. Jesus was friends with. Martha. Yeah, that's just Mary without the Y. <laughs> um, so anyway, she's working, 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 and she's resentful, 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 right? That... And and what her posture is, is that uh, I can set things right. Mm. And everyone, I'm a martyr because of it. It's, it's self-imposed martyrdom in her actions. And Jesus comes in and says, stop that. You know, you don't need, you don't need to work while I'm here. Don't, don't put the responsibility that does not fall on you on yourself because of your own pride. I hope I articulated that to fo- clearly. To Foster's enough. point, you can see why that's so attractive, right? Yeah. And why so many people would want to get into that because, well, it one, it makes you feel important, and two, it's like, well, look how nice everything is around me. Why can't I have the glorious life? And in a world, Hunter, where you don't have to be hyper-industriousness industrious to eat, yes. you want to feel hyper-industrious about something. Some people... Some people they, we fulfill this this empty gap two ways. Some people take responsibility for things they'll never be responsible for, and some people don't take responsibility for things they very clearly are responsible for. Mm. But it happens from both sides. And Okay. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and that's why the prosperity gospel kind of has a faulty eschatology in terms of they misinterpret how things are going to end up. They want heaven on earth now. They misinterpret... Mm-hmm how God has ordained things to be. And it's like, well, why don't we have prosperity now? Why is utopia not now? To the point where uh, Bill Johnson is like the lead elder, lead pastor of uh, Bethel, Bethel Church out in Redding, California. And I've seen, I, I've seen him say, I refuse to create a theology that allows for sickness. And he, f- yeah, and he followed that up with, the price Jesus paid for my sins was more than sufficient for my diseases. And to some degree, it sounds so wonderful and so spiritual and so trusting and so good-natured, but it completely misses the fact that Jesus bled on a tree. It completely misses the fact that 11 of the apostles were martyred. Or, yeah, 11 of the apostles were martyred. It completely misses the fact that God's and that Jesus one of said, them wasn't because he was busy. I, I would say that <laughs> I would I would come back at that though, and I would say that he's right. Yeah, just not I here, agree, Foster. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, everything he says is true. Yeah, that is absolutely. true. Um, just not here. 
you know? Yeah, and that's I mean, why I say a faulty eschatology. Right. It's, well, I had a faulty eschatology once, but penicillin cleared it right up. Um, to the, <laughs> the, I'm going to take it a step further, and this is where usually where Ben and I disagree because he actually believes the Bible and I'm a heretic. <laughs> um, but it's true. But I think it's right here. I think it's right, and I think it's right here. And yes, I'm playing word games, Foster, because I I also agree with what you're saying. Because obviously, it's right in heaven, right? There will be no sickness mm. mm-hmm. or death. Let's. I think now is a good time to pivot. There is. This is this verse that's been a, a brain worm and an earworm, not a leftist brain worm, like the old sense of a worm, as in as in it's hard to remove from its hovel. So. We're in Matthew 6. I think this is also in Luke, but I like the wording better in Matthew 6. And I'm going to start, let's say I'm going to start in 28b. The purpose of the scripture is Christ is talking about worry. He's talking about being concerned for your temporal needs. All right. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not and neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these, these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Are we going to talk about how you're reading the King James Version? You Look, that's straight poetry. <laughs> that's, the only, <laughs> that's the only translation that matters. I'm sorry, Ben. I thought we wanted to go to heaven when we die. Um, that's the only that's the only valid first. translation. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I'm kidding, by the way. What is Kanye seeking? That valid English translation, surely, surely, Foster. <laughs> the passion oh. translation. That's the that's the only thing that's good. Speaking of Bill Johnson, right, Foster? Yeah, um, that was a which, joke, by the bad? way. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> Passion translation <laughs> equals bad. <laughs> Very complicated like formula. Already. Um, when Ben and I were kids, we talked about this joke where we would write an obscene version of the Bible um, to minister to other people. And we've wrote, written out several sequences <laughs> to it. I'll answer for that one day. Regardless, <laughs> I read some oh, of I these new translations that, and it's like, this isn't even that far off. Like, it's, <laughs> it's getting pretty close. <laughs> And God was like, yo, dog, can we rap for a minute? <laughs> it's like it's like getting that bad. Oh, oh it really um, is. Anyhow. Uh, sorry, buddy. Yeah. I had to go there. Beautiful verse. Beautiful verse. And it's, it's, okay, you can read it at its face level, and it's like, it's like, okay, so I shouldn't worry about stuff. Yeah, that's in there. There's way more in there. There's two things about it that I think are just incredible one is it links the idea of of having your material needs met to faith which is by the way exactly what we were talking about with the name it and claim it crowd if i could only faith harder i could have x or have y or bx or by 
The second bit is it takes one of the most misquoted passages of the Bible, which is, you know, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And it adds the most important text as far as Christianity is concerned. It's the greatest commandment. It's the golden rule. It's everything all in one as you see it many parts throughout the Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the greatest, for a Christian, right? For a Christian, that is the greatest commandment. With everything you have, seek God. Amen. And all these things shall be added unto you. Okay. The prayer that gets answered in heaven is the prayer that originated in heaven. God's in the garden. He's saying, I'm about to die. I'm about to be murdered. We're talking about a much more primal need than food and drink and clothes, by the way. And he lost them all. To drink, he had vinegar. For food, he had nothing. And for clothing, he had nothing and thorns. Yeah. And so is God not God when Christ hangs on the cross? Or is he never more God than at that moment when an unstoppable force hit an immovable wall and split the reality of the cosmos wide open so that we could have a way to be with him? I, I, I purport that as far as God is constrained by time, that he was never more God than at that moment. And yet, did Christ not have enough faith? Oh, ye of little faith. What went wrong? Why didn't he have clothes? Why didn't he have food? Why didn't he have drink? I think because, and this is where we can go from here. Wait, wait, who? Why didn't Jesus, who, who not have clothes? Jesus. When? On the cross. Oh, but you're talking just those 48 hours. Sure, yeah. I, I, what I'm saying is, what happened? Did God stop keeping his promises, or did Christ have a, Christ have a crisis of faith? My, my you mean, argument is... But you're, you're saying, you're... you're you're asking the question, Did was the crucifixion a result of Christ not having enough faith or whatever, not necessarily whether the crucifixion was God's plan to begin with? What, what, I, what I'm really getting at, and yeah, I, I, what I'm really trying to get to is that when God says, take no heed of what you shall drink, what you shall eat, or wherewithal shall you be clothed. He's not saying necessarily that he's going to provide that. I think he's literally saying, don't consider it. <laughs> I think he's saying that that's so irrelevant, that there's so much more here. Now, I'm not saying that he can't or won't or doesn't desire to meet those needs. But what I think that he's saying is, if you're sitting here worried about those things, my plan's not what needs to change. You're what needs to change. Take no heed. Take no thought. And then seek me. And it, so, so I guess the point I'm getting at is that is not the crucifixion a perfect, a perfect representation of the fact, and Ben, you brought up the 11 apostles, that this prosperity stuff leaves you completely unfulfilled because either you have to acknowledge the fact that God broke his promise, which if God breaks his promise, let's throw the whole thing away. Or second, that Jesus Christ didn't have enough faith 
to enact God's promises or to get from God his clothing and his food and his drink. One, I mean, I, I believe that neither of those are the accurate statement. So I think we're misconstruing something here. One, I think there's a really good um, Bible lesson for all of you people who are or aren't Christians. Whenever someone quotes a Bible verse to you, get your Bible out and, and go read it in context because the number of Bible verses that are misquoted or just quoted out of context is absolutely staggering because what Chris just did is he went to this passage that is misquoted all the time and he goes, oh, wow, if you just read to the end, it clears the whole thing up, but it's really hard to see when you're so pedantically focused on one little thing that you can't zoom out. So one, thank you for not out. reading like a verse earlier and disproving my whole point. That would have been a huge <laughs> bummer. My heart skipped a beat. Two, do you know what verse I never hear anyone quoting in that passage? Verse no. 30, which says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Like what? Hold That's on, we God. Going. I thought we were talking about how I was going to have everything I wanted forever. No, he's not. He's saying that he knows what you need. Stop caring about it and serve him. <clears throat> the God is not you in this equation. Get your mind off of yourself. Stop thinking about the Rolex on that pastor's watch and find a real dang church. Yeah. And maybe the faith question, oh, ye of little faith. Maybe it's not you're not believing hard enough to get the things that you want. Maybe it's that you don't, you're not walking by faith and not by sight so that you the needs that you see are the needs of things eternal and the wants are obviously wrong in the scenario that you're describing and and if the heart was oriented in the right direction the wants would change along with it and and i think the self-test that you can take if you're in that position of questioning whether you are in that camp or not is whether or not you ever feel guilt condemnation fear of what you are or aren't doing and feeling like you're not good enough, that there's something you're missing. All of that is a lie. And that should be a huge red flag to you. Yes. Provided, provided you're not using that as a a buster shield for living in open sin. Um, No, I'm talking like logic here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got to remember, some of our really dumb friends listen to this podcast, Foster. Well, Um, right in. Like Ben. (laughs) I'm I'm right here. Oh my God. (laughs) Boom. You can't get No, I think that it's important. I think that that's an important point, though, because I think that that is really, I think that's, that that to me is the saddest part of this whole movement Mm. is the people that it hurts. And, yes. And, and it, it, it's it's sad to me because so many people are missing out on the beautiful life-giving relationship that you find in Christ by pursuing this idea that you have to become something and then when something doesn't happen it's because you have failed to comprehend something or to do something right and that's just a sad um a sad state this is Oh, sorry, Hunter. Go ahead. That's that's Fire. that's what grifters do. And like the part that's really sad about that foster too is the fact that there's a lot of people there that do want to live that good Christian life and are looking to leaders in their community for guidance, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what they're getting. And you know, I, 
right discipleship again you know yep this is where i'm getting into that that's exactly right hunter uh, it's 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 sad for on multiple levels that these people aren't finding what they need and are being led astray and are being told it's their fault being gaslit by the scripture uh the misapplication of the scripture to be specific uh and it's also that there's it enables these grifters these serpents in the garden to say you be god you be like god and won't you have what you want and the other level to that the meta level to that is it's so pervasive it's so popular joel olstein sells man and Bethel sells, man. And a lot of people are are seeing the marketing of Christianity through the lens of this prosperity gospel. And that, look, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to act like that's my responsibility to correct. But, and, and because God is greater than that which is in the world. But what a, what a sad representation of something that we hold dear, hmm. you know? Um, this is where I'll get into the heresy a little bit, and I don't think it's actually heretical. More, more or less, I'm playing with words. But, Foster, you can have the kingdom of heaven now, but it has nothing to do with your physical needs. No. Who's to, who's to say that you couldn't? Now, I know simultaneously that I will never get there, and we will never get there collectively, and also that the promises of God are eternal and are as reasonable right now as they will be in the hereafter. If I could get my act together and get Chris out of the way and focus on God, why could I not have the things that the things of the spirit now? You, you watch people get really close. We could talk about people getting snatched up and, and whisked away with God. There's an interesting discussion there, one that's probably extra biblical. But the the idea that we could not live our lives in in near perfect or at least much better congruence with the spirit of the father right now is inaccurate we could we could do way better than we're doing but you're a spirit in a stake the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with food you know it has nothing to do with your your livelihood or your comfort it has everything to do with bringing your spirit into proper alignment and connection with i am yeah the problem is is that we're human and we we deal with this thing called the flesh and Paul dealt with it um you know and he was pretty he was pretty close to the lord you know he experienced things that i don't know if anyone else had other than what elijah maybe um yeah maybe maybe enoch but i think that um i think that the problem is is that we we can't look at life and our relationship with christ as an MMO kind of game where you're getting to these different levels of things because that just turns it, that turns your attention away from Christ and from God to you. And so all of this, all of what we've been saying is just completely points back to this idea that you keep having to look inward for all of this to happen. Right. Right. So I think that's I think that's the problem. Hey, fa- yeah. Hey, guys, this might be a little bit of a off tangent, so feel free to tell me to shut up here. But Foster, I don't think I disagree with anything you just said, but that got me thinking: if this isn't some massive multi-online player video game where we are leveling up, 
how do we square that idea with sanctification? How do we square that idea with we are progressively becoming more like Christ? Because I, I like what you're saying in terms of we shouldn't view it as leveling up, but there is some sort of improvement um, that obviously is going to come when you enter into right relationship with God. So what do you think about that, man? Um, I agree. I think that you naturally grow with your relationship with the Lord. Um, but I think that the fruits of that is love. I think, yes, yes. I think that pretty much, I mean, Christ said to sum up all the laws is to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And so, but, and, and that's easy to say, but I mean, who can really, if you really sit and think about it, I mean, that's a very difficult thing to get to, to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, but it all boils down to love, I think. Um, and, and to answer your question, I think it's not so much this idea of leveling up. It's, it's a, this idea of relationship. It's so I can, I can meet somebody in you know one day and have a, an hour long conversation with them. And if I never talk to them again, then there's a very, very limited amount of information that I have about them, what they mean to me, all of those things. But if I constantly meet with that person day in and day out, it's, it's the relationship and the, the process there of building a relationship where you learn who that person is. And with, with that relate, with that translated to you and God, you also learn who you are in God as, as you learn about who he is. I love it. But I think it all eventually points back to to the word love again. And that is what constantly increases for others um, the closer you draw to Christ. Uh, To be be a good slave is to be obsessed with what your master is obsessed with, right? Right. And so as you become a, a better slave, which would be in the metaphor that we get in the Bible, right, to be more filled with God, right? To be more sanctified, if you will, right? You will put aside your desires and take on your masters. Mm. And if your master is good and noble, he looks at you and says, I know what I'm going to do with you. I know exactly where I'm going to put you. And he will guide you in that way. And then what you'll see is the place within the body that you're chosen to be a part of by your master becomes apparent. And there's no other place where you can act or interact with, right? And so that is how the body is supposed to work, is everybody is supposed to be emptying of themselves. What is the master obsessed with? Love. Hunter, that, that's exactly right. Put it back in, in video game terms for a second, because it's useful <laughs> to losers like us. Because we're all nerds. It's, <laughs> it's not MMORPG. It's not character development. Sure. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Sanctification Mm. is not the process of becoming more godlike. It's becoming less Christ-like. Sanctification is is character destruction, not character development. Because the Spirit lives in me. And the parts of me that don't look like the Spirit are the parts where Chris is standing in the way. The flesh. That's why it's the flesh, isn't it? Because that doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. You, if you if your constitution of your your identity is not a spirit in a stake, 
which I coined and now will be using incessantly. I'm sure someone used that before Did you me. Say I just thought of it in a steak, in a meat bag. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> I get it now, but that was just I love it. that was so bizarre. Okay, thank you. Um, if that's not your constitution of Christ in you, then why does the then the idea of the flesh being prohibitive or desperately wicked doesn't make nearly as much sense? You know, the old man and the new man. I think it's I think it's a a really cool idea. You know what it is? It's sacrifice. It's and, and sacrifice is it is the vehicle that we use to talk with God and it has been forever. You want to commune with God sacrifice here. We'll have three books about the way that you sacrifice. Do you want to please me? Kill your son, you know, just kidding. Don't, but almost do. (laughs) Um, Sacrifice is everything because God is, I am. He is what the bedrock of the universe sits on. And he is the future to which we make sacrifices. It's not surprising that that's the way that we talk to him uh, because that's the way that we inhabit the world. You know, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, not here on earth where the moth can eat and rust will destroy and thieves will steal. Why? Because we aren't of this place. And so to communicate with the infinite universe and he that holds everything together sacrifice sacrifice the bits of you that are tied to this place and have something better in the future and what will be better will not be elements for the steak it's not going to be montreal dry rub and a1 sauce and a, a butter on glaze it's going to be the things of the spirit that's that's He's, he's so big, and we are so small. The prosperity gospel is real. What's not real is my need for, a, for a, a meal. What's not real is my need for a shirt. And what God, when God says, take no heed for what you're going to wear, he means just that. Not that he's going to take care of it, I think, although he will often. But I think he really means just take no heed. I think he means... If you have that, then you don't have the faith that would connect you to me. And sacrifice, Hunter, I think, I think you put it exactly right. Sacrifice is the way that you communicate with the universe. And it's not surprising that that's the way the universe works because the universe is built on the bedrock of God. He is what he is, and that is what we see all around us. The Buddhists understood it, right? Like the, like, and this is what I think is so cool about this idea, because God is that what we can sacrifice to and God is what constitutes the universe. It's true whether or not you admit that it's his fault that it's true or not, you know, and the Buddhists are, I will, I will give up every earthly connection, every earthly possession, and I will become one with the spirit of the universe. I'll become Nirvana or one with the spirit of the earth or of the cosmos. This is their entire belief system. And it's almost right. It's almost right. Because that is what the universe is made out of. The universe is made out of sever your connections to the physical to pursue something higher. The problem is, is that they think they're the author of that, right? But, but it, it works whether or not you acknowledge that it's held together by his will regardless. 
Anyhow. Yeah, I think that's why this whole conversation, I, I love how you phrased all that. I, th- I think that's why this conversation is so important. And maybe to, to take it back to um, almost where we started, because a- as we've kind of hinted at a couple times, we all do believe in a prosperity gospel, right? One that is to come. But also we believe in one that is now. And that's, Chris, what you've been getting at for a while now is that we need to redefine prosperity. It's that the prosperity gospel isn't necessarily incorrect. It's incorrect in terms of material or physical health benefits. You have prosperity because if you know Jesus, and if you're listening to this podcast, we all hope you do, then you have God literally living inside of you, whatever the heck that means, you have that. And that is ultimate prosperity. And then you can flip that and... I could quote to you 10 verses right now that say, get ready for the trials and tribulations of this world because they're coming. So not only should you not expect to have dramatic material and health blessings, you should expect literally the polar opposite, but you should expect to go through it with God. And that's such a dramatically different way to approach life. You know, you're 100% right in my estimation, Ben. First time for everything. (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's the whole game right there, isn't it? That's the whole game. My circumstances need not change. I need change. And in a world where it is guaranteed that I will have trouble, then, then true prosperity is being rightly aligned with the one who's overcome the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the peace that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, I, Foster, I, I love that you've been dragging us back to that point because because we can intellectualize this and the pro, the truth is it is really personal for some people. Yeah. And and you know, I mean to to just keep that going, I was just going to say, you know, let's not forget that Christ and God still provides still heals still is is doing all of those things it's just it's in his will is how you break it down it's it's you always believe for healing you always pray for healing you always believe that the lord's going to provide what you need in life right but it all boils down to his will and that is that's a beautiful thing when you get out of your own head and you realize that you are, you are peace and and you've been given the gift of life and you're a piece of this universe that, that God has created and you play a part in it. And it may not make a whole lot of sense to you in this reality, but there's an eternity for it to make sense. And we, we, we tend to forget and people tend to, well, I think most people tend to forget. I struggle with forgetting about that side of reality. Mm. You know, we get so consumed with this side of reality that we forget that there's a whole other side there that matters um, and matters, I would say, much more than this one. So, and again, God still heals. God still provides. God still does all of those things. It's just within his will. And that is, um, I think that that's an important distinction. And goodness, I feel like I'm talking half this episode. Sorry, guys. But but just to tag on to that, 
and that's why we still pray for for healing and that's why we still pray that people would receive the gospel because uh chris i think you're right i think we can over intellectualize it and i know a lot of people who are very passionate about things like predestination will do this and a lot of people who are hyper passionate about that specific topic will say and, and usually they won't say this out loud, but deep down it's like, do I really need to share the gospel with that person? I mean, it, God's going to save that person whether he wants to or not. Like, it's not really on me. I don't really need to do it. It's, and then you come back to what Foster just said is, no, you get to play a role in God's plan here. Because God does want to save everyone. So go share the gospel, man. God commanded you to do it. God said, go pray for people to be healed. Now we can have a long discussion, I think probably for another time of like, how should those prayers look? Because I think it's really, really difficult to, to not treat God as a, as a gumball machine, as we were talking about earlier. But to, to the Christians listening, like, don't let this hold you back. Get out there. Go serve the Lord in, in whatever capacity you can. He has a holy, divine, ordained will, but you get to be a part of that. It's, it's the same. Ben, I knew you were going to bring up predestination. Um, there was basically no way that you couldn't. A- anyhow. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> right? If I don't share, the rocks will cry out. He doesn't need me. He chooses me. Yeah. You know? And, and if you want the spark notes or, or my opinion, how do you make that prayer look? God, let the cup pass, but not my will. Hmm. That's pretty, pretty powerful. And, and, and by the way, if, you, if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, that wasn't I don't want to die on the cross later on because it's going to hurt and my lungs are going to fill up with blood and they're going to whip me and I'm going to be naked. It's I don't want to be the first God 5D being ever to be torn in half. Like, that's what it meant, by the way. Like, it, it's much worse than what we conceive. And, and he says right there tell me how you feel and then do what i say and i will just add that if you want to be prosperous then then go be prosperous you've been given this gift of life and you can go do it you know you don't i mean you know just don't sleep all day go read proverbs and (laughs) and take notes in there about you know if you sleep you're going to be poor if you're a glutton and a drunkard you're going to probably you know, end up with in rags. And so if, if you, if you want to succeed in life, there's nothing wrong with succeeding in life. And, and so go do it. You've been given this gift of life and, Absolutely. you know, go, go live it, you know, and go, go do it. Yeah. I guess, that I guess brings- the reason I was saying that is that, you know, we shouldn't have this attitude that prosperity is bad in yes. in and oh, of itself. Good, right. Yeah. So I just want to make that known that, you know, prosperity isn't bad. You know, it's just if you are expecting Jesus to be your genie, then I think you're going to get let down. Yeah. Oh, we do that both ways. You look at the uber rich and you go, well, that must be a moral failing. And then you look at the uber poor and you, you, your brain wants to do the same thing. Um, I agree. Hunter, bring us back to the station. Um. I don't know what that means, so I'm going to do an ad. Uh. (laughs) Here's the thing, Hunter. God wants you to be thin. Heck yeah. Or maybe like Foster said, the problem isn't the fact that 
God has a problem with you being fit. It's just you're sleeping so much, idiot. Freaking yeah. go work out for once. And why would you ever dare work out without the incredible healing sla- salves of Joel of Olstein's oh, of fnxfit.com. Your <laughs> so best now, life I now. Think, I don't think Get we're those getting, abs. you know what? Get your best life now by going over to fnxfit.com <laughs> and using checkout code CARPOLING for 15% off. Look, if you want to look like Foster when you're older, and I do, then yeah. you're going to need protein powder. You're going to need gummies. probably you're going to need apple cider vinegar gummies no to doubt. improve your lipid transport. You're going to need some super greens, MSG. and you're going to need to stay hydrated with some electrolyte blends. Omega-3 fatty All of acids. these things are available exclusively at fnxfit.com. So go over there, prosper. Look, God is offering you a God discount. is offering you 15% off right now. Heck yeah. Lord Save up it. in the, the storehouse of your own muscles. Uh, <laughs> you, don't even, you don't even have to pray for that discount. It's, it's, it's dumb been blessed for you. So enjoy yeah, we, that. We already, we already prayed it. Now all you have to do is name it, Carl Pulling, claim it at the checkout. 15% off. Uh, you can go to carlpulling.com slash FNX as well. And Whoa. time to repent. Yeah, time to go repent. I've got a bunch of Our Fathers. Just kidding. That's horse crap, too. Maybe we do another episode on the Catholics. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm, I, uh, I'm just so excited that we got to have two of my, my uh, favorite guests on. I thought that was a blast, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Good thanks times. for having us, man. Yeah. Foster, thanks for trying to high-five me through the camera. That was sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to do this again. This our last episode was uh, incredibly well received, um, with with a biblical topic. So I'm hoping we get to work more of these in. Guys, as always, go give us a review on iTunes. We don't give a crap about you or what you have to say until you do that. Five stars only. If you have any four star reviews, please go leave those over at the H3H3 podcast and or any of Nate Silver's podcasts, four stars and below. Whoa. I'm just kidding. Nate's okay. Nate's the okay. Young Turks. Chank Uyghur. Let's go for Chank instead. Let's go get Chank. Um, anyway, Google it. And Google it. <laughs> They're turning the reviews gay. Or as he like to say about women, <laughs> Google it. Uh, <laughs> Google it. Man, happy Pride Month um, for whatever sexuality Chank is. I think slug or something. <laughs> oh, no. I was going to say Jabba. Uh, yeah, the chin. It gets warblier. Um, I guess that happens when you have to hold so many admissions that the Armenian genocide was real in your throat. So, uh, follow the show, Carl Pulling. Go give us a five-star review. We're at Carl Pulling on all the socials. I'm at uh, Chris X Carl. Hunter's at Emotional Carl. Ben, got anything to plug? You know what? I don't. Nothing today. Foster, anything to plug for you, bud? Nope. All right, if you guys have questions for them or for us, that's carlpooling at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And look, if no. you're not, if you feel like <laughs> you have a, a some type of malady. This episode was about Jesus, Chris. Maybe an itch, maybe a lesion or a sore. Do not just go into your closet and pray about it. Seriously? I'm not saying God won't heal you, but I am saying that maybe the way he chooses to heal you is modern science. So, Anthony Fauci, go get it tested. Get go get it please get tested. <laughs> <laughs>
I hate you so much. If you name a test, can you claim it? Is that how that works? <laughs>